Good afternoon and welcome back to another episode of Truth and Share. Uh, I'm your host today, Rohit Krishna. This will be episode 11 in our series. Uh, today I'm joined with our CEO and co-founder, uh, Dan Plashkis. Welcome, Dan. Hey, Rohit. How are you doing? Good, good. Uh, today we are going to be talking about a pretty important topic, I think. Uh, one that's not really talked about very openly, um, but certainly one that's very interesting um, and, and relevant. Uh, and that is financial literacy and how that applies to individuals and businesses in today's world. Uh, so let's jump right in. Uh, my first question, Dan, to you is how important is it for people to be financially educated in today's world? Great. So the first question, by the way, excellent question. And, you know, with life expectancy now, they say of someone born today, life expectancy is something just shy of 100 years old. Right. It's really difficult to, you know, I always say set your goals. If you have goals, set your goals on retirement, what you want to achieve, and yep. that will help you and do that in early age. But financial literacy is is not whether, you know, is not only, uh, it's a very difficult concept. It's not only aimed at people that are rich. In other words, that doesn't mean they're financially literate. It's a very difficult concept and one that's not um, taught in schools. So it's it's a huge challenge. To answer your question, I think that it's become very difficult to be financially successful for as long as we're going to live. And it's something you need to think about. Okay. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, people go up and down in droves during their lifetime, right? Uh, It doesn't mean that if you're born rich that you're going to remain rich. You need to be financially uh, literate in order to stay that way. Okay. Completely agree. And so how would you grade yourself on, uh, you know, financial literacy? So first of all, uh, what's been really important to me is that um, I haven't been driven by financial. So um, I've always been driven by a vision and completing it. Right. working with people and making people successful. So I'm not a guy that wakes up in the morning and chases the almighty dollar. Mm-hmm. Clearly, uh, building a business, if you're successful, that becomes a scorecard. But I don't manage the companies financially. I manage the companies for innovation. Right. So now, what does that got to do with financial literacy? Somehow along the way, there's been no greater... I consider myself extremely financially literate, okay. certainly from a business perspective. So Why? Um, is that because I run a very tight financial ship? No, but I understand in very broad terms assets, liabilities. I understand um, uh, credit. So as you know, uh, this is you know one of probably the fourth or fifth business I've set up that started at zero. Right. And they've all started at um, a very. Uh, they started at zero, which meant we were around the table. We put our own money in the company. Um, and uh, we've run the company, which means you have to meet pay. When you think of it, you have to meet payroll. You have to decide if you're going to pull money off the table right. or you're going to invest. And this has always been something that I've gone further and further along, but I certainly understand it. So when I assessed my own career in financial literacy, um, my first company, which I grew after owning with another partner, we sold it to private equity. The second company uh, that I built, we raised a lot of venture capital. And then this company, sort of S&P Data, it's privately held. Right. That's been our greatest, in my opinion, extremely difficult to do. Um, but, obvi- you know, you and I talked about this from a financial literacy perspective. You've got to understand. You've got to make your payrolls. Right. You come last. you got to buy all the latest equipment. 
I'm obviously very enthused, but I've used that financial education, financial literacy, which by the way, I did not obtain when I did my MBA. I think I've, right. I think I was trained that way. Okay. And, and I think that's, you know, that's why I think at the beginning we said it's not just poor people that aren't financially literate. It doesn't matter how much you make, people end up needing that extra income. They spend what they make. Right. They don't understand asset accumulation. And so would you say that you gain most of your financial literacy uh, through your years in, in business? Or would you say you needed that foundation through your MBA program as an example? Or do you think that you know the, the uh, education is available to everybody if they want to choose to, to pursue it? So, I, I mean, listen, there's a lot of people that chase financial literacy. There are people that sell real estate courses. Right. And if you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, they say invest don't invest in real estate and people have different theories but you know they talk about assets liabilities managing your cash flow and reinvesting your cash flow stocks and marketable securities um i think that it's very where did i learn i think my father started it my father was an immigrant who came over Um, he had his own business but very conservative principles Um, he may not have taught me the right things you know, my dad's first goal was to take a mortgage, make sure he could make his payments. Yep. Um, you know, he was a very conservative guy. But uh, certainly I was raised that if I was given $10, you know, I had to budget. And, you know, I always wanted to put money away. So that's right. part of it, right? So it starts at a very young age, I think. But it's not insurmountable. I don't think that school really teaches people. I just don't. And I don't mean to be critical. I got a lot out of my business school. But uh, financial literacy wasn't one of them. I think that your own business really is, it, 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 it's been the greatest learning principles. Right. Now, do you apply those same to your home? One of the things is I don't spend a ton of time, I'm just not driven by it, by investing my assets in real estate or stocks. I don't want, because I'd rather just invest my time here. Right. So, but I think I've got a strong financial literacy. I mean, I've never touched wood. I've never built a company that's had a bankruptcy or anything. That's really difficult, right? Especially in our business yeah, where absolutely. your payrolls are huge, right? right. So uh, it's not without a lot of sweat, very fine line between success and failure, but I consider myself financially literate. And I think that um, I learned it a bit through the School of Hard Knocks. I learned it by reading a lot of books and I learned it at a very young age. Okay, good. Perfect. And so, you know, if you don't mind me asking, it related to this business, S&P Data, you know, yeah. what, what avenue did you take, uh, you and the partners take with, uh, in its early years with respect to funding? How did you, you know, start up the business? Did you raise capital, private equity? How did that work? So great question. So first of all, we think we're the largest independent company and we've built up a substantial company and we've done that without other, anyone's money. It, but you raised a really good question. So in the early days, we did it through traditional banks, okay. mostly receivable financing. The company doesn't carry any debt. We may have not have got any debt. We put our own money to start the company. Okay. And through operating lines of credit, um, we matched our receivables, which are good receivables, and we borrowed against them. Um, we've modified that through the years, but you know, because we kept the company tightly held you know, it was built one brick at a time. I mean, as you know, we've never done right. um, an acquisition. Um, that becomes, so we built the company through cash flow because of the structure of the finance. And I think that was a really good thing to do. Last year, as you may remember, we thought long and hard about going to raise some private equity and right. really going for it. We thought that our model, in the case of our industry, a lot of business would be coming back on shore, a real need because of, you know, 
people doing more and more of the simple transactions mm-hmm. online. We, you know, we've always played on the revenue side of customer care, right. um, that type of stuff. We thought there was a great opportunity, so we went out to the market. Um, we we had a number of people interested in investing in the company, um, but COVID came along, and uh, it's been a, a very mixed blessing. As we know, we feel terrible for people. Our industry has definitely got a great opportunity, yeah. right? You know that. Definitely. I mean, we have telemedicine taking off all the e-commerce, a lot yeah. direct to consumer need for support. You know, as you know, we've always been big with software and omni-channel. So, you know, great opportunities. But it also leveled the playing service of, of, of I mentioned to you that we had made a determination to build the business one brick at a time through cash flow. Yeah. And that's why we said, oh, well, could we grow if we had, a, you know, more money? Which the answer was yes. But after COVID, you know, with the business going into the home, you know, as you know, we're pretty strong technically. Um, you know, it really leveled the playing service. Everyone was at zero, for lack of better words. You want a thousand people, we can provide it just as easily as anyone else. Yeah. It became a SaaS-based, home-based yeah, solution. 100%. We didn't need to build bricks and mortar. So it's interesting, you know, if we look at our timeline and... You know, you clearly to survive a company this long, you have to be skilled. You have to be financially literate. We've also been a bit fortunate, I think. right? Right. So, okay. perfect. And so, you know, for our viewers at uh, at home and those of uh, us who have been following the series, um, what sort of financial advice could you give to individuals in today's world who are maybe looking to start their own business? Yeah, it's good. So, listen, people. You asked a really good question. I think that people always talk about side hustle. Right. It's a common term. I've never been successful at a side hustle. Um, But I think there are ways. First of all, I think there's a lot of opportunities to dabble and stay. You know, these days you got more time if you're sitting at home to really find yourself. you got to find what makes you happy. I mean, your career is going to go on longer than ever. So so you say pursue your passion. Basically. Pursue your passion. Write down your goals. I mean, listen, what's your retirement goal? Is it an age? Is it a certain wealth? If you achieve, write it down and think about it, you'll achieve it. Yeah. But if you do something you're passionate about, Rohit, it doesn't seem like work. And if you work at something you're not passionate about, you hate it. Yeah. So does that have to be a side hustle? I mean, we've always tried to capture people's entrepreneurial zest here but starting a business can be really difficult look at small business today it's really difficult but there are things you can do take an interest in the stock market in our case we use we're gonna as you know we're talking about building a fund here where we let people buy stocks so they can track the companies that we could potentially do business with so i think that that's i mean if you would have invested in the stock market and just been average you would have made 20 to 30 percent conservatively on your money in the last two years each year annually so that's a lot of money so there's lots of stuff you can do maybe you're passionate about that but you got to follow your passion and you know like you said at the beginning your career is going to change my goodness i mean your career is going to change i mean leo your baby you know you you it won't be before you know it in 20 years he'll be in college and you'll be saying what do yeah. I do with myself you're going to be look how healthy you are right. and in shape and you're going to wonder what you can do with your life so yeah, I don't believe there's an end game I think you got to plan and maybe think of your life in 5 to 10 year increments okay perfect great advice thank you so much so for the viewers at home thank you for tuning in uh, this wraps up another episode of Truth and Share thank you Dan for sharing your insights as always and remember, uh, tune into Truth and Share for our next episode, everything you always wanted to know but were afraid to ask. 
And remember, folks, the truth shall set you free. Thank you, Rohit. Thank you.